Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Philippians is where we begin. Father, we thank you for the mighty inspiration, protection, anointing that is in and on your word. Thank you that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, not ink on a page. It is spirit and life. We pray you administer that today by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. And just by way of review last week, we got the background of the book of Philippians. Philippians was penned in around 61 A.D., but about 10 years before that, Paul and Silas on their way. Starting churches as the Lord gave them the opportunity, and as we said last week, who would have thought it? God decided to begin a church, which I believe personally was perhaps Paul's favorite. He was very much loved the Philippian church. But the way he started that church was a little Bible study of Old Testament scriptures by women led by a businesswoman named Lydia who sold fabrics in the marketplace. The Lord brought Paul and Silas to that little group of women by the riverside for their prayer time. And the Word says in Acts 16 that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to believe. What a great way to pray for those you're concerned about. The Lord opened Lydia's heart to believe. And from there they begin, uh, they, they spread the word there through all of Lydia's family. They became believers, followers of the Lord. There was a demon-possessed girl there who kept manifesting the voice of the devil wherever Paul and Silas was around. And uh, that demon-possessed girl had the demon of disorder cast out of her. She was making money for businessmen. She was trafficked by some evil businessmen who used her and her fortune-telling um, as a means of great financial gain, using the devil to profit them. Paul cast the demon out of her, and she became another member of the early church of Philippi. Would you have done that? If you were going to start a church, would you go to a group of businesswomen, and would you take a, business, a, a, a demon-possessed girl and then, after that, when they were brought before the Roman magistrates, they were beaten severely, within just bloody, uh, with severe whips, and in prison, you know that story, Paul and Silas began to sing praises and to pray. And at midnight, the Lord intervened in natural, natural events and caused a an earthquake to come that shook the prison and opened the prison doors. The Philippian jailer and all his household became saved that night. They became believers in Jesus. So would you have done that? If you wanted to start a church, would you have started with a group of businesswomen? Would you use the demon-possessed girl who had been delivered? Would you have gone into a pagan Roman soldier's house who had just been saved? i got to tell you something. God is leading some of you on a new adventure. 
and you don't see how in the world it can ever happen, you ought to go back to the book of Philippians through Acts 16 and know that God can make anything He desires to happen in a way that you'll never dream of. Just follow Him and take the next right step. We could stop right there. Somebody needed that. And we read through the first few verses of Philippians, the, the address, of course, to Paul and Timothy. Uh, Paul and Timothy, through Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus. We described a bondservant last week. To all the saints, the true believers in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Remember, a saint is not something that sits in a museum. A saint is just a true believer. With the bishops and deacons, that is, with the eldership, the overseers, and deacons. We talked about that last time. Grace and peace to you. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. We talked about the power of spiritual covering in prayer for those we sit under. I have spiritual covering, and I've been down the road a while. Uh, it's important. It is exampled in the Scriptures. Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer, continually praying, making requests for you with joy, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can I ask you a question? What has happened in your life that made you, that made you believe that God had stopped his work? Oh, I went through this. My prayers didn't get answered the way I wanted them to. I got disappointed in, in the outcome. I lost my job. I lost my marriage. I lost a, a friend or a loved one. What has made you believe that God has stopped doing what he started in your life? In this incredible time that we're living in, many people, even people of faith, have have lost their perspective. They forget how the Lord saved them and forgave them of all their sins, how the Lord has blessed them and encouraged them and provided for them in so many ways. And because they got disappointed in one or a few things, they have stopped believing that, so, that God is still at work to do what He started. God hasn't stopped his initial plan in you. He's still at work to do what he started in Christ Jesus. He goes on to talk about part of this prayer. And then he says in verse 12, and that's where we stopped last time. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard, that is all of these elite Roman soldiers guarding me in the city of Rome, that my chains are in Christ. The reason I'm here is because of my relationship with Christ. And what's this? This is verse 14. Most of the brethren, most of the fellow believers in the Lord, have become confident by my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. How does that happen? 
In this age in which we live, so many are being shaken and becoming less confident that God Almighty is sovereign and is at work and that He is still at work in them. Paul says, most of the brethren, God, I'm telling you now, I'll pass this along to some of the covered ministers. I highly recommend that you go online and read the sermon by you about that a little bit later. God is shaking things up. I know that all the most of the attention about the pandemic and all this incredible anarchy and upheaval in our culture, people are so absorbed in what the devil is doing. I want to tell you something, God is shaking things up. Would to God that we would get more confident by what's going on and speak with more boldness in the Lord and not be afraid nor ashamed to speak the truth in love, to speak the truth in love. And notice he says they become more confident because of my chains and are much more bold to speak the word of How did that happen? When you hear that you're, that the apostle that you believed, that you knew was sent by God, the man who established your church, the, how does it make you more confident when you hear he has been apprehended and imprisoned? Why does it make you more, more strong and more confident when you hear he's suffering? How does that work? Today we see just the opposite, people getting shaken. God is shaking things up, and he is bringing to the surface and developing his champions. This is not the time to cower in fear and unbelief. Why did they get more confident when they heard that their leader was suffering? Well, here's his attitude right here. The things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. God is actually using, he is using what evil men are doing to bring about greater opportunity for the good news of the Lord's grace. Can you say that about your life? What about your circumstances? Say, Pastor, I don't see how in the world that my circumstances, as difficult and painful as they are, can be used for the greater furtherance of the kingdom. Can I tell you something? You're never going to figure that out. Your job is not to figure out how it's going to be used. Your job is to surrender to the Lord of your life and recognize that nobody else is in control of your life. It's your Lord. You gave your heart to Him. You didn't give it to the Politicians, you didn't give your, your heart to, you gave it to the Lord. I want you to turn back to the left with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I want you to see that in your time, in your time where your circumstances 
are rising up against you, and when there's times of disappointment and suffering, I want to show you that God is giving you a ministry. You don't hear many things uh, preached uh, these days about the ministry God wants to give you through your difficulties. And that's a shame because it's the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. That word comfort there is the, the root word uh, in paraklesis. It is the same root that we have, the, the paraclete. Remember Jesus said, I am going to send you another helper, paracletos, a, a, a one called alongside to help. A comforter, Jesus decided, de declared him as a comforter, an encourager, a teacher, a guide. He is present in you and with you. He will disclose the things that I've taught you. He will bring to your remembrance everything I said to you. The Paracletus, the Holy Spirit. And notice he's saying here that in that time of distress, oh, verse 4, he comforts us in all our tribulation. That word tribulation is flipsis in the Greek. It is intense pressure. It is trouble. It has to do with anguish. Listen to me now. He comforts us in all of our pressure, our anguish, our intense pressure, our suffering. That, why does He comfort us? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any tribulation, anguish, and trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That word can also be said with the same encouragement, the same comfort. We can pass that along to all of those who are suffering like we are. Well, do you know that when your world is turned upside down and there's trouble, God is giving you a ministry. When you're going through deep hurt and heartache and rejection, many of you have been through death, you've been through divorce, you've been through bankruptcy, you've been through, you've been through all kinds of pain, you've been through rejection of your closest friends and, and family, you've been through all kinds of things. Do you know when you're going through that, can you say with Paul, my circumstances have actually turned out for the glory of God and the furtherance of the gospel of Christ. Do you belong to the Lord? Let's go back here to this passage. He comforts, paraclesis. You know what it also means? <laughs> this is just fantastic, Jeff. That word means to summon call alongside call alongside so that the promise is when you're going through this anguish this distress this pain Jason the paracletos is saying come alongside me come alongside me it's true Marilyn come alongside me 
I got something intimate to tell you that only in the context of your suffering you can hear. If you were just going around and life was just a blast and you didn't have any anguish or pressure, you wouldn't be listening. Come alongside with me. I've seen so many of you. I have seen your faith take new ground in your time of suffering. I've seen your intimacy with the Lord accelerate. I've seen your, your kindness and your compassion for others go to a new level. Come, come alongside this paraclete, says the Holy Spirit. I want to give you a ministry because I want you to receive my comfort. And that word also is encouragement. I want you to receive my comfort, my encouragement, so that you will be able to pass that comfort, that encouragement to those who are in their season of trouble and anguish and pain with the same encouragement and comfort which you have received from God. For, verse 5, as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our encouragement, our consolation, our comfort also abounds through Christ. So to the extent that I have to join the Lord in that suffering, and how many of you know sin is what caused Jesus suffering? Do you know most of our pain is somehow hooked into sin somewhere? This is a fallen world. I hear this all the time in, in, the, in the culture, Dr. Scott, that we're, God should have, God would have, God could. This is a fallen world. The good news is, bud, that God can work in even that which he doesn't initiate. Hallelujah. We're not victims of some passive fatalism where if it happened God won't no we have a God who can take that which is out of order and sinful and bring about redemption and grace that's your story and that's mine too don't forget it so in those painful circumstances and situations we can receive the comfort, the encouragement of the Spirit of God. Now, verse 6, if we are afflicted, it's for your comfort, your consolation and salvation. How many of you know that some of the suffering, if you really belong to Jesus, the Lord is going to allow you to go through some suffering for Christ's sake that is going to be on behalf of somebody else? That's the whole story of redemption, something somebody did for, on behalf of somebody else. Yeah, so when the Lord gets you up at 2 and 3 in the morning, troubling your heart with somebody to whom, for whom you're to pray, when you get rejected and despised and, and, and lied about, don't forget a lot of times that comes because 
you're walking in the righteousness of your Lord. There is, we have the opportunity through our suffering. To minister on behalf of somebody else. Yeah, we do. We don't like it. It's not fun. We wouldn't have signed up for it. We're either being conformed in the image of Jesus or we're not. Well, I just believe that we ought to pray that bad things don't happen. We're in a fallen world. Good luck with that. God is bigger than the bad things. He will prevail. He will actually, if you'll trust Him, He'll actually take the bad things and work them all together for His good, His glory, and yours as well. But you can't quit trusting Him when you don't understand. You trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own ability to understand. If you get on that train, that train will wreck. You trust Him. Notice what he says here. The apostle said, our suffering was on, uh, for you, it deepened your faith. You, you, were, you were encouraged. Our hope for you is steadfast because we know that you're partakers of the sufferings. You say, well, Pastor, uh, Paul was in jail two or three times. And, you know, other than that, no. Now, here, here is um, an example My goodness, what'd I do with that? I had it marked here this morning. <laughs> Way to go, genius. That's what Brian always used to say to me when I made a mistake. He'd say, Way to go, genius. Y'all are not sitting under somebody who's infallible. <laughs> I can promise you that. Anyway, I'll get there. Paul talked to them about all he had gone through. Sandra Joan, you know where that is. He talked to them about all he had gone through. And uh, I'm telling you, it's the list that I want to stop reading it in the middle. It was awful. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to tell you. He was suffering for the sake of the gospel, but he was also suffering for the good, the well-being of the faith of those who trusted him. Some of you did not know. Whether or not Dean and I would get back up after the deep cries of our heart for our son's healing didn't happen. You didn't know. You don't have any idea the pressure of knowing how many people are watching that. You have no idea. 
more ago if they would have known. Here's what I do know. Many of you took your trust of us as your spiritual leaders to a new level. Isn't that right, Lindsay? Took it to a new level. Right? Y'all been around us a long time. Because we're so great. No, we were broken. Because, listen, because of the Holy Spirit summoning us to a place we'd never been before. Because of the Holy Spirit comforting us, encouraging us, sustaining us. And now, Gene, when you come under covering of people who've been through stuff like that, you know and you have confidence that we can pray for your family. You have an only family talk here today, Jerry. The comforting, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit when we're suffering. It is our ministry. Paul uh, goes on to say, and I want to close with this. You look at verse 9. He talked about, you know, let's back up in verse 8 because I don't want to neglect that because it's not popular preaching. You don't want to hear that. We do not want you to know. This is in Holy Scripture. We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. We don't want you to not know. We want you to know about our trouble, our thlipsis, our anguish, our suffering, our, our, our great tribulation, which came to us in Asia, not the continent of Asia, but the province of Asia Minor, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. You ever got to where to that place you're suffering so hard that you said, Whew, I wouldn't mind to be out of here. Three of us have. It's not a fun place to be. We've been there. You say, How could you get that weak, Pastor? You can get there too. You could get there too. Notice Paul said, we despaired even of life. We saw no way we could go on anymore. There is a spirit of weariness in the body of Christ today unlike anything I've ever seen. A deep spiritual fatigue that affects people's ability to see the grace and mercy of God. It is a deep spiritual fatigue that is keeping people from the very thing they need to worship and to be around a core of believers. There is a spirit of fatigue that is really wreaking havoc on the body of Christ. And I got to tell you, we have got to get serious about these scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to renew and refresh and comfort and re-energize and renew the church. It's not a time to fall away. It's a time to rise up. 
We despaired even of life, the apostle says, verse 9. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. You know, what does that mean? That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. You know what the apostle is saying here? He's saying we came to the end of our ability to fix it. We came to an end of our own energy to try to make it the way we wanted it. We came to that end of, of being supermen and women. We came to an end of that. And we just came to a point to where we said, God, we are right now dying to our own ability to make it better. Then you remember what he just said? I just read it to you. We started trusting in God that when you're willing to die to something and you're holding on to, God has the power of resurrection. He can resurrect it. He can resurrect the faith of those you're concerned about. He can resurrect the hope in those you love who have lost all hope. He can resurrect the joy that used to be there but has disappeared. He can resurrect that business. He can resurrect that marriage. He can resurrect, God can resurrect anything dead that'll be submitted to him. Give you a new hope, a new joy, a new partnership, hallelujah, a new life, a new encouragement, a new energy. And he says, we, put our, we, we died to our own ability. Have you died to your own ability to change your children? We should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And, verse 10, he delivered us from so great a death. It looked like we're out of here, but God delivered us and still does deliver us in whom we trust that he will keep on delivering us. <laughs> I love to hear stories of deliverance. I, heal, I love to hear stories like our own where you just didn't think you could get up again. And the, the comforter summoned you, Phil. Come over here. Come with me. And through that love, through that intimacy with him, that strength came back. And he just keeps on delivering. Amen. The book of Philippians is rich. It's full of truth. And we will pursue more next time. I can't wait to get into one of my favorite passages at all, of all, and that's verse 19 and following, about how, how did Paul get delivered from that place of hopelessness, wanted to just get die and get on out of here. How did he get there? We'll discover that next time. Well, let's bow our heads together. I want you to think about these words.
You do know, don't you, that regardless of the circumstances of your life, that he who began a good work in you is going to be faithful. Commit it to him. Commit your tomorrows to him. He's there. He's already seen your tomorrows. He's already defeated any enemy you have to face. He defines what victory looks like, not us. He defines what it looks like. You may not be able to even conceive what it would look like for the situation of your life to be restored to perfect order. Don't depend on your own ability to conceive it. Depend on he who has begun a good work in you. He'll be faithful to complete it. He's at work in you right now. Regardless of anything you have to go through, regardless, the comforter summoning you alongside to a deeper, more intimate place with him to take new ground in your relationship with the Spirit of God, to comfort and encourage you. to sing that chorus together just right where you are. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. It's our closing song today. If you have special need of prayer, we're here at the front. Elder Gene Carey is back there in the back. Mike Trouble's right up here at the front with me. We'll pray with you and for you. Let's sing this song together. this is frustrating for some of you. 
next Sunday is the last Sunday of the month. And I, I know some of you get frustrated about that. Our agreement with our landlord, we don't meet personally on the last Sunday of the month. But we have four great services coming up for us in, in August. I know you're praying for every day. We love you. If you need us, we're here 24-7. You know how much we love you. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.